everybody. Welcome back to the Ninja Nerd Warrior podcast, and I am your host, Greg Hernandez. And uh, to be honest, I hadn't planned on doing another show until the uh, Venom premiere. I was actually going to review Venom for you guys, but uh, slight change of plans in the sense that I just realized Walking Dead Season 9 starts this Sunday, so fuck it. Let's talk about it. I am a huge Walking Dead nerd, as, uh, as most of you can tell. I own all 29 volumes of the trade paperback. I've seen every episode of the show, and I am stoked every October when Walking Dead makes its, uh, makes its return. So um, where the fuck are we at? Okay, uh, we just had the end of Season 8, the All Out War storyline from last year, and that was the, uh, that was the war with Negan. And at the end of that, Negan is defeated, but he's spared. Rick spares his life. And people are not happy about that. Uh, Maggie's not happy for obvious reasons. Um, if, you don't, if you guys don't remember, uh, Negan crushed Glenn's head with a fucking baseball bat. And uh, Maggie had this, this mission all season long that she wanted this fucker dead. And... Uh, Daryl was, uh, Negan made Daryl uh, his bitch, and Daryl's not happy, so Daryl wants him dead. And I would say it's a decent 50-50 split with all of Rick's army that they are not happy Negan's still alive. And so the last thing we see is we see Rick and Michonne planning on a new beginning. They want to start over. They want to build a civilization and get things back to as normal as, as you can be in the zombie apocalypse. But we see Maggie and Daryl and Jesus actually kind of plotting against Rick. So, and that's where we left off. Now, where do we go from here? Um, the season nine pre- Okay, for anybody, I guess I should start here. Spoiler warning. I have read every comic there is, so... I might spoil the show for you. I might not. It's going to depend on how closely they follow the, uh, the comic book storyline. Okay, so we're going into the all-new beginning storyline where it's, we're going to see a year-and-a-half time jump. There has been roughly a year-and-a-half uh, has passed, and Rick and the Hilltop and the Kingdom are kind of putting together a civilization. They're trying to build a society and they've included the saviors in that. And um, so that's where, we're, that's where we're at right now. And let's just get it out of the way, folks. It's the fucking 800-pound gorilla in the room. This is going to be Andrew Lincoln's last season. He announced it last year that he's done. He is absolutely done with this show. And so it's like... Fuck, where do we go from that? Um, to kind of put this into perspective for you guys, this would be the equivalent of James Gandolfini saying that, that's it, I'm done with The Sopranos. Or Brian Cranston leaving Breaking Bad. Like that's, I believe that that is the level of loss that we're getting here. Andrew Lincoln has been the focal point of this show for nine years now. And he has said that, fuck it, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, I put the blame for that squarely on the shoulder of Scott Gimple. And I'm not going to lie. If I ever see Scott Gimple, there's going to be a stronger just kick this man right in the nuts. There really is. Now, 
I will be fair. I've never met Scott Gimple. I don't know what kind of person he is. He could be the coolest dude in the world. I don't know. But his work on The Walking Dead has irritated the fuck out of me. All right, let's go back to the beginning when he first... I wouldn't know his name until the first time they killed Glenn. Yes, I say first time. Because Glenn has been killed like three times in this fucking show. So the first time you see Glenn, or the first time they killed Glenn, he's on the top of the dumpster with... Oh, what is that fuckwit's name? Screw it, not important. They're on top of the dumpster, and they're surrounded by walkers. There's nowhere to go. And the guy decides to punch his own ticket. He just looks at Glenn and says, Thank you puts the gun to his head, pulls the trigger, and the recoil of the gun sends both of them off the dumpster into this sea of walkers, and the last thing we see is basically Glenn being ripped to to shreds by a bunch of walkers. All right. That was just a punch in the soul right there. Glenn has been pretty much the heart of the show since the beginning, and to watch him be destroyed like that was heartbreaking because there is there's a saying on the walking dead they're not dead until you see the body okay so if you don't actually see them die they're not dead we watched glenn get ripped apart well fast forward a half hour later to uh talking dead with chris hardwick and scott gimple's on there And he says, I just have to let you know that we will see Glenn in some fashion in the future. You fucking asshole. You basically just told us Glenn's not dead. Okay? You're not going to say, well, we're going to see him sometime in the – if it's a flashback. All right? You wouldn't have announced it. But you said flat out – we're going to see him again. Smash cut to three episodes later. Oh, guess what? Glenn's not dead. The guy who shot himself in the head falls on top of Glenn. That's who you see being torn apart. And we just see Glenn's head screaming and credits. Gimple, you fucking prick. How great would it have been to think Glenn is dead? And then two episodes later, we find out no, he survived. How great of a, of a pop would, would we have gotten if we found out Glenn was not dead? The collective sigh of relief would have been amazing. All right? But no, Gimple took it away. Okay? This is the equivalent of that guy who comes to your birthday party, hands you a present, and says, I bought you an Xbox. Doesn't let you unwrap the present. Just fucking tells you what he bought you. Like... So that has been my dislike of Scott Gimple. That's been the beginning of it, all right? Three episodes later, they're setting this up where he's trapped by walkers. You see him closing in, and then we go to commercial. So you're freaking out. Come back from commercial. Abraham unloads an M4 and just mows down the walkers, saves Glenn's life, all right? Well, guess what? You tease Glenn's death again. It didn't mean shit because you've already killed him like four episodes before this. And then you ruin that surprise so we can't take the second death seriously. 
So then, when you kill Glenn for real, Negan crushes his head with a baseball bat. It doesn't really mean as much. It's not that punch in the soul because we saw this fucking guy die twice the season before. So you killed the same guy three times in a roughly nine-month period. So now you fast forward to the end of last season. Gimple decides, hey, wouldn't it be great if we killed off Carl? You retard, okay? Now, I'm not saying the show should strictly follow the comic book storyline, but Carl is a main focus of the comic, all right? Carl was always built up as the heir apparent to take over when Rick couldn't do this anymore. He's been set up like that in the comic since the beginning. He grew up in the zombie apocalypse. Rick sacrificed everything to make sure his son survived. And it was the same way in the show. Andrew Lincoln and Chandler Riggs had this amazing on-screen chemistry that you really believed they were father-son. And Gimple goes, hey, I have a great idea. Let's kill Chandler Riggs. Excuse me. Let's kill Carl. Chandler Riggs still alive. Let's kill off Carl. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay. Granted, I realize this is the Walking Dead universe. Anybody could die at any given time. We've seen this. Nobody's really safe. But why Carl? It made no sense then. It doesn't make any sense now. And it was a little, I've, I've read some interviews. This is some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, folks. Chandler Riggs found out that he was being killed off on his 18th birthday. How is that not just a, just a swift kick in the taint? Chandler Riggs has been on the show since he was nine years old, grew up on this show. He turns 18. He bought a house down in Georgia. And before escrow closes on the house, Scott Gimple calls him and says, oh, um, we're killing you off. You are a dick. Gimple, you are a fucking dick. And now, I said it before, Andrew Lincoln and Chandler Riggs had an amazing chemistry on this show. They really did. To the point where Andrew Lincoln publicly came out and said, I don't want to do this show anymore. I don't want to do this show if Chandler's not here. We finish out season eight, and I would say probably three or four months before season nine was set to premiere, we find out Andrew Lincoln's calling it quits. Season nine will be his last season. So, Gimple, you mental fucking midget, you killed off Chandler Riggs, which made the star of your show say, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to fucking do this. The kid I grew up working with is no longer here, so fuck it. I'm going home. I'm going back to England. I've put nine years into the show. Done. Good job, Gimple. You fuckwit. All right, that was me venting. So that is my uh, 
un, that is my very unhealthy dislike of Scott Gimple. So fuck him. So anyway, going back to it, this is Andrew Lincoln's last season on the show. All right. And I get it. I understand why he's leaving. I understand that nothing lasts forever. So we're saying goodbye to what is essentially an icon in this universe. The marketing AMC has done for this season, I really have some mixed feelings about because they are marketing it as Rick Grimes' final episodes. Now, again, Andrew Lincoln has done some amazing work on this show. You want to give him the proper send-off, and I'm totally behind that. But does it take away that gut punch if you know it's coming? That's my question. That, that's, we know Rick is going to die in this season. Okay. Oh, and that's another thing. Oh, that, okay. Gimple came out and said, we're not certain we're going to kill Rick off. Uh, Rick Grimes is leaving the show. He's not going to be on there anymore, but we're not sure we're going to kill him. That's fucking stupid. Even to say that, it's fucking retarded. Okay? Anybody who's watched this show for any period of time knows Rick Grimes lives and breathes this society. Why would he leave any other, any other, for any other reason? What other reason could you give for him to leave this other than he's dead? So to even kind of do the damage control that you tried to do with, we're not sure if we're going to kill him. Fuck you. You're killing off Rick Grimes. Let's just call it what it is. Stupid. All right. But anyway, like I said, though, does that take away the gut punch if you know it's coming? Okay, sometime in this season, and my guess is going to be mid-season finale. That, that's going to be my guess. Mid-season finale, Rick Grimes is going to die. And does it take away from that gut punch if you know it's coming? And where do you go from there from the rest of the crew? Okay, how does the rest of the crew, A, how do they go on without Andrew Lincoln? And B, how do they go on without Rick Grimes? I've watched a lot of uh, a lot of the cast interviews. You will not find one person that has one bad thing to say about Andrew Lincoln. He is, I mean, they've said he is the father of this show. He is, you know, he's the one who kind of you can turn to. He's he's the rock, you know, it, metaphorically speaking, not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He is the pillar of this show, the cornerstone. Have I hammered enough metaphors? Okay, moving on. So it's going to be interesting to see how the cast does without him. And I want to see where the characters go without Rick. What happens to Michonne? You have, essentially, if, if you go off what we saw last season, you have Maggie and Daryl plotting against Rick. So are they somehow involved in, in him dying? Are they not? Do they feel responsible for his death? Are they responsible? Like, I have no idea. I'm sorry, folks. I am. I don't want to go. I'm excited for this season. I really am, but I don't know. I'm like a kid who's gone to Disneyland for the first time. I'm like, what do we do? Hold on. Where do we go? What do we, you know? So I have a tendency to ramble. But no, it's going to be really interesting to see where this show goes from there on. And, uh, and will the show itself suffer without Rick Grimes? 
Let me, uh, I did some notes for you guys. See, I actually did notes this week. Despite all the fucking babbling I'm doing, I actually have notes for you people. All right, this was a survey done uh, by AMC on September 25th, 2018. So this was just taken a couple weeks ago. Walking Dead averages 7.1 million viewers a week. All right? Now, granted, it's down from, it's down like 31% from this time last year. All right? A lot of people checked out. A lot of people checked out on this show last year. And I kept hearing all these excuses. Oh, the show's gotten too violent. Really? You fucking kidding me? The Walking Dead has gotten too violent? FYI, folks, AMC's running a marathon of the entire season. I just watched the pilot yesterday. Rick Grimes shot a 10-year-old little girl in the face two minutes into this show. The Walking Dead is getting too violent? Hey, remember when he shot Sophia in the face? Remember that? Hey, remember when Rick bit a guy's jugular? Like, just completely ripped his throat open to save Carl? The show's getting too violent? You fuck, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Okay? Um, here's, my, here's my theory about why the show's dropped. Because the show's dropped a third of its viewers from last year. Almost a third. I'm bad at math. I'm a junior college dropout, folks. The show's down 31 million percent. 31 million. Holy shit. Yeah, folks, I have notes. I just can't read the damn things. The show's down 31% from last year. All right? Again, here's my theory. Nobody's watching it live anymore. They're not. Okay? If you look at TV ratings across the board, they're all down. And I think the reason is every fucking network has a streaming service now. AMC has their own streaming service. CW has their own, C has their own streaming service. NBC, CBS, ABC, they all have their own apps, their own websites, where you can go and watch their shows. And so I think most people are watching them through those services rather than watching them live. So I think that might account for a big number of the people that, are, that have left the show. They haven't left the show. They're just watching it through other means. Okay, so put this back in perspective. Like I said, Walking Dead is down 31%. It's still averaging 7.1 million people a week. And it's still AMC's highest rated show. Walking Dead, 7.1 million. Do you know what number two is? Number two show on AMC is Fear the Walking Dead with 2.2 million. That is 5 million under Walking Dead. Okay, so number one, Walking Dead. Number two, by a very wide margin, is Fear the Walking Dead. And to give you guys a better idea of how well this, how well this shakes out, Breaking Bad averaged 4.2 million viewers a week. Okay? AMC, probably one of the, or excuse me, Breaking Bad, one of the best shows AMC's ever put out, only did 4.2 million. That's 3 million less than Walking Dead is doing. All right? Hey, what about Mad Men? Mad Men was a fucking phenomenal show that AMC did. Mad Men drew 2.0 million. 2 million average a week for, for Breaking Bad, for Mad Men. 
Holy shit. It's been a long day, folks. I'm going off like four hours sleep, and it's like 80 degrees outside. So give me a second. I, it's this, everything's kicking my ass right now. Yeah, so anyway, I'm back. Yeah, Mad Men only did two, two million viewers a week. All right? Walking Dead does 5.1 million viewers more a week than Mad Men. All right? So AMC has really – they've really stepped their game up with their TV shows, and Walking Dead is still rated highest among all of them. So, yeah, you can't really give me this. Well, this show sucks now. This show – no, it doesn't. Shut the fuck up. All right? I do love those people that try and tell me, man, this show sucks. This show sucks now. Then why are you still watching it? Seriously. Fuck off. But um, anyway, if you haven't noticed, folks, I tend to ramble. When I, lo when I lose my train of thought, I tend to ramble. And like, fuck it. It'll come back pretty soon. But like I said, they are, AMC is doing a marathon. The entire series is started at like 6 o'clock yesterday morning. And I'm an insomniac. So I've been watching every episode of this show. We are on, like, episode 10, season 2 right now. And I'm – I had this conversation with, uh, with a buddy of mine the other day. And, the, and we were talking about – I want to say Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know Buffy was in there, but we had some other shows. The point of the conversation was – Season one always sucks compared to what the show becomes. Doesn't matter what show you're watching, okay? The Office, um, Modern Family, you know, whatever shows you're watching, season one is always the worst one. That's where they get all their mistakes out. And the part that really hurts is the better the show becomes – the more cringeworthy that first season usually is. And I'm watching this show, and I can, I'm watching Walking Dead. I've been watching, like I said, I'm, I'm almost two seasons in, and I can see why the show, they, they definitely lightened up. They lightened up a lot because the walkers in the first season were scary as shit. They ran. Zombies fucking ran. That is terrifying. If you remember that first episode, okay, first episode where Rick Grimes, he's trying to get to Atlanta. He gets a horse from a, from a farm where the people have killed themselves. And he's riding the horse into Atlanta, and the streets are completely empty, which is eerie in and of itself. Anytime you see, like, a big city like that, and they've sh obviously they've shut down the roads for filming – and it's just empty. It's always so fucking creepy, okay? And Rick's on his horse. He turns this corner, and there's like a hundred walkers, just a gigantic herd. And they all turn around. Both Rick and the horse have this holy shit look on their faces, and they turn around, and they bail. They get the fuck out of there. And this herd starts sprinting after them. That's fucking terrifying. Okay? Zombies, not that scary in and of themselves. 
You're talking the old George Romero zombies, not scary. Because at a brisk walk, you can get away from them, okay? But then you get to the 28, 28 days later zombies, and they can run. They run, they chase you, they're bleeding from every orifice, they're just complete feral animals at this point. That's fucking terrifying. So Walking Dead did the first season. Rick turns a corner, there's this giant herd of walkers, they see him, and now they're, now it's a full-speed chase, okay? They got away from that in the later seasons, that the walkers didn't run, all right? Now, you can, you can go back and retcon that by saying the outbreak was new, the zombies aren't that decayed, they were still capable of running. Cool. You had, you had walkers who could climb a fence. Holy shit. That kind of sucks. But again, you go back and retcon that, no problem. That's not a big deal. Rick Grimes, in the first two seasons, Rick does a lot of stupid shit. He really does. If season eight Rick Grimes saw the shit that season two Rick Grimes had done, he would kick his own ass. Rick was always... Remember when Rick tried to save Merle? Handcuff Merle to the top of the roof and says, I think I'm going to go back and get him. You fucking idiot. And again, going back to season one, you see this cast. You have... Season one, season two, Shane. Oh, John Bernthal, you're my hero. John Bernthal is a phenomenal actor. And it's cool to go back because you know where the show's going. You've seen the show. You've seen the episodes. You've watched Shane just lose his shit. And but to see Shane was a good dude at the beginning, like I would say halfway through the first season, for the most part, he's a good dude. Until he beat Ed's ass. Remember that? Remember Carol's old husband, Ed? That fat redneck who used to beat the shit out of her and possibly molest their daughter? That part was alluded to. They never actually said it, but there were some serious vibes that Sophia did not like being, home, being alone with her dad. For whatever reason. Okay. So you painted Ed as this total piece of shit. And one day he starts slapping Carol around. Shane sees it. Shane throws Ed down and just beats the human shit out of Ed. Just caves in the whole left side of his face. I was watching that yesterday and I realized, like, that's where Shane snapped. Holy shit, that's where he just fucking loses it. Because in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, he has, he's, the, he's the head of this group. He has Rick's wife. He has Rick's kid. He has everything. He's got this little family. He's in charge. And Shane always kind of reminded me of that, that douchebag in high school, that, you know, the captain of the football team, and he had all the chicks and – you know, that guy who ends up becoming like a high school janitor like later in life because high school is when he peaked. Shane always reminded me of that dude. And you give that dude any kind of power, like, I don't know, being the leader of a group of survivors in the zombie apocalypse, that's his heroine. 
He becomes addicted to that. And then Rick shows up, and Rick just takes over. You know, it's not a conscious seizing of power, but Rick makes the hard choices. Rick is somebody that – Rick's that guy that everybody can rely on. So everyone starts turning to Rick with their problems, and Shane is kind of like, what the fuck? He says it multiple times. I kept this group safe. He tells Rick, I kept your family alive. It's all about him. It's all me, me, me. Excellent writing. I got to say, excellent writing for, for Shane in this. And when he beats the shit out of Ed, that's when you see it. You're like, wait, this is the moment that he snaps. But it's not a full snap. He will lose control, and he does a really good job of getting his shit back together. They get, to CD, they get to the CDC, and Shane tries to rape Lori on the pinball machine. Remember that? When he went out, when he tried to make her Jodie Foster and the accused? Like, that's, that's him just periodically just losing his shit, and he can't control it. And you go, okay, so we go into season two. And right when you know Shane's fucking lost it, remember when he kills Otis at the high school? Shane's on a bum ankle. I can't remember, like, Otis fucked up his leg. Otis has got four rounds in the gun. Shane's got five. They're running from a herd of walkers, and they're both firing backward, okay? And I did it this time. I, I've never done it before, but I did it this time. I start counting rounds. Otis fires one, three left. Shane fires one. Four left. Otis fires. Two rounds left. And I, I keep the, the count, and I'm like, oh, shit. Shane's only got one round left. And right when I realized it, Shane looks at Otis and goes, sorry, shoots him right in the leg, grabs the backpack, and bolts. He leaves Otis lying there screaming in pain as walkers are ripping him apart. Shane saved his own ass. And I think most people thought right there, okay, that's where Shane turned into turned into a, a bad guy. That's where he became the villain. Nope. Nope. He snapped way back in season 1. They were just so good about it that nobody noticed. That that was awesome. I'm saying it right now as fucking John Bernthal's on my TV. I'm sorry, he's a badass. Anybody who hasn't seen Punisher, check it out. John Bernthal is fucking amazing as Frank Castle. Anyway, um, and going back and watching these old episodes, you know what else I remember? How much I fucking hated Lori. Oh my god. Now, I am going to say this. I do not hate Sarah Wayne Callies, all right? The actress who played Lori is phenomenal. I've watched her on this. I've watched her on Colony. She is a phenomenal actress. Okay? Lori was a twat. Oh, my God. Rick's wife was a twat. Okay, so in the first part of the series, you get it. Her husband's dead. She hooks up with his best friend because she's lost. Her husband, she's lost her husband. The world's gone to shit. She attached herself to the person that's going to help her keep her safe. Okay, that part I get. 
Then she finds out her husband's still alive. And that the guy that she has hitched her wagon to lied to her. He lied and said, your husband's dead. She is more than a little pissed. <laughs> and she tells him, you stay away from me, you stay away from my family. All right, makes perfect sense, right? An episode later, Carl comes up to Shane, asks him a question. Shane blows him off. Lori walks up to Shane and said, why are you blowing my son off? It was at this point I start yelling at the TV going, bitch, you told him to stay away from your family. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Stay away from my family. Why are you being mean to my son? I've dated women like this. Oh, my God. It is fucking ridiculous. Fast forward a couple episodes, and there's a flashback scene where Lori's talking to one of her girlfriends, and she tells this woman, yeah, we got into a fight. We got into a fight this morning. And the part, But the really bad part is that Rick was trying to be reasonable, and that just pissed me off more. Hold on. What? You're pissed at him because he wouldn't fight with you? I've dated women like this, folks. I really have. It is some bullshit. And the part that just, that's, that's where I lost my shit. This just happened. I'm, again, I'm watching season two right now. And Lori finds out she's pregnant. Shane says, you know that's my baby. Lori goes to Rick and says, you need to kill Shane. So she is, she's riling up her husband to kill his best friend. Ultimately, that's how it goes down. And Rick kills Shane. You remember what happened when Lori found out? Lori lost her shit. She fucking lost it. She looked at Rick like he was the most disgusting motherfucker on the planet. And I just remember, I remember watching it for the first time and I remember thinking, you bitch. You fucking riled this guy up. You told him that Shane would never leave us alone. Shane believes we're his. You have to kill him. And you see that look in Rick's eyes. Again, Andrew Lincoln, a phenomenal actor, because you could just see just the fucking hatred in his eyes as he contemplated killing his best friend because his wife said so. A few episodes later, he's forced to actually kill Shane, and Lori can't even look at him. She just seriously looks at him like, you fucking monster. And I'm sitting on the couch watching this going, I want to punch you in the neck right now. You bitch. So, to recap, Sarah Winkalley's on the off chance you ever hear this, I love you. You are a phenomenal actress. Great job. Lori Grimes, burn in hell, bitch. So if you can't tell, I am a I'm a huge fan of this show. I really am. Uh, I'm actually binge watching it from the beginning right now. I'm, you know, gives you an idea how big I am, how big a fan I am of this show. But uh, so anyway, that's those are all my thoughts. Uh, I could trust me. I could go on forever with character arcs for Maggie, for 
Daryl, for Carol, for, you know, I could just, trust me, I could go on and on about this. Uh, I just don't want you guys listening to a fucking four-hour podcast. I am not Joe Rogan. So, anyway, uh, you know what? I'm just going to plug all my shit before I let you guys go. You can look me up. Uh, my name is Greg Hernandez, and I am, you can look me up as the Ninja Nerd Warrior on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, hopefully, I will be doing some, yeah, hopefully, I will be converting this to audio podcasts, so you can just... Look this up on your phone. You don't need to go to YouTube every time. And uh, if you want to see me do stand-up, you can see me do stand-up um, here in Bakersfield, if you're in the area. That always helps. Sunday at the Westfield Lounge, at, uh, hosted by Eddie Molina on Sunday night, 7 o'clock. Tuesday night at the, Ro at the Firehouse, Rosedale Station, hosted by Landon Webb. Wednesday night at the Tembler Brewing Company, hosted by Chris Flail. And Thursday at the Rocket Shop Cafe, hosted by Daniel Betts. All shows start at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you're in the Bakersfield area, please come out and support your local comedy scene because we're all broken unemployed. This is kind of what we do. So come on out and help us out. And uh, again, if you are in the Santa Maria, San Luis, ah, San Luis Obispo area, and you want to come help, uh, come help me? No, come watch me wrestle. I'm not very good at plugs, if you can't tell, folks. Uh, if you want to come watch me wrestle, I am wrestling in Santa Maria, California for Vendetta Pro Wrestling on October 19th. I will be in uh, San Luis Obispo Saturday the 20th and for SenCal Pro Wrestling. And I will be wrestling for Planet Lucha back in Santa Maria on August, August, October 21st. I promise you folks I will get this right. Eventually, I will get good at this. Thank you for kind of, you know, suffering through the process. But I will be wrestling October 21st for Planet Lucha back in uh, Santa Maria, California. So if uh, you can't get enough of my bullshit here on this podcast, there are multiple opportunities you can come out and watch me do what I'm very mediocre at. So with that, I will say goodbye, and thank you guys for checking it out. All right, everybody, thanks for giving me time to take care of that. I hope you enjoyed the show today, and if you'd like to follow me, I am the Ninja Nerd Warrior. You can find me on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you can also find this podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can find me anywhere. If you would like to come out and check out the stand-up comedy scene, if you are in the Tulare, California area, you can come out to Barmageddon Sunday night, 9.30. That is hosted by Phil G. Uh, if you're in the Bakersfield, California area, Sunday, 6.30, Room 82, hosted by Jessica De La Garza. That is 7 o'clock. Monday, we have the Great Change Brewery, hosted by Kurt Sieblum, also 7 o'clock. Tuesday, we got back-to-back -back shows at Club Quip, hosted by Eddie Molina at 7 o'clock. We have uh, Jerry's Pizza at 8.30, hosted by Curtis Taylor III. Wednesday night, we have uh, Tembler Brewing Company, uh, hosted by Chris Flail. That is 7 o'clock. And Thursday, we are back at Club Quip, 7 o'clock, hosted by Austin Beauvais. So, um, yeah, come out and check out some of the Bakersfield's greatest comics. Uh, it's, a, it's a fucking blast, folks. So come on out and check us out. And with that, I am going to go ahead and say goodnight, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.